Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the experience agency, Deep Flash. Each week on the show, I bring on a different leader doing something really cool and interesting in their space. And this episode is no different. I'm super excited to have Julie Potter-Slavin, also known as DJ Hester Prynne, uh, on our show. And we're going to have a fantastic conversation. I met her in Cannes, and she performed at the Inkwell Beach, and it was an incredible time and hanging out with her. So we're going to have an awesome conversation. So take a listen. Hey, Julie, how are you? I'm good, Laura. I'm so excited to be here in this beautiful room. Oh, uh, you know, I try very well to make <laughs> everything feel warm and fuzzy when I even come to the show. Uh, <laughs> so, whenever someone comes to the show, first question is always the same. Okay. And it's always interesting to see how people's life trajectory goes, and I'm sure as you're, you're going to be no different. So, Julie, what was your first job? Okay, I have, like, two first jobs that I think are worth mentioning, uh, because I learned so much at both of my first jobs. Um, my very first job was waitressing, as one does, um, at a little restaurant here in Tribeca called Bubby's. Really? Yes, when it was oh. one location. Oh, wow. Um, I worked there for 11 days, and what I can tell you about <laughs> Bubby's is that everything I know about selling, I learned in those 11 days. Wow. But, but actually, I should probably rephrase that, because it doesn't make me sound like I really know that much, but the point is, a lot of what I initially learned about selling and sales and how to sell yourself, I go to Bobby's because they used to have this thing. And I, I've, I've met the owner in my current life and mentioned the Bobby's handbook that they used to have. They used to have a handbook with laminated pages, and it taught you how to sell. It taught you that when someone's cup was three quarters empty, that's when you ask them if they want another drink because if it goes all the way down, they're going to feel seated. And when I DJ, we have deals where I have overtime. And in about 10 minutes to finishing time, I will text whoever is my contact, point of contact, and I'll say, hard stop in 10 minutes. And when you know it, they usually say no. Of course. But if I ask them, should I stop now at the end of the party? Let's stop now. We'll stop now. And I learned that from Bubby's Handbook. And there are other things, a lot of other things like that that I learned. Isn't that crazy? Oh, incredible. I know. Also, 11 days. 11 days. And I was like, oh, this job is not for me. There was a lot of um, pooling of tips at that job. And I was, like, crushing it on the sales front. Clearly. Clearly. And I felt like I, I was, like, I'm not enough of a team player to get down with this, like, pooling of the tips to see the sharing. But I, but I was, like, I've got to be in business for myself. And I can't remember what I did after that. Um, but my first, like, out-of-college job, because that was a job while I was in college. And I think I worked at the screening room in Tribeca, which is now Tribeca Cinema. Um, after that. After all this stuff. After that. After Bubby's. Um, but I worked my first real and that kind of only job was that I worked um, at Details Magazine as a fact checker. Somebody got me that job. I made $25 an hour, which is a lot of money. money for someone out of college. Oh, hell yes. I used to get, you know, checks for like $700 and be like, drinks on me. Like, I was <laughs> living rich. Do we curse on this podcast? Yes, you can. Okay. Um, I worked under Andrew Essex, who then went on to do a million amazing things in advertising, including, like, founding Droga 5, I think, and running the Tribeca Film Festival. Now he has um, his own thing going on. I always run into him in Cannes, always. And he like, stays hey. at the Carlton, uh, of course. course. I actually ran into him this year. And you're like, hey. I'm like, Andrew. When Andrew taught me, actually, at the time, I was in a band called Northern State. That's how I got my start, how I got my name. It was a feminist hip-hop group on Columbia uh, many years ago, in the early 2000s. And uh, Andrew was the music editor of Details Magazine. And I had to open up his mail, which was full of press kits. And I was making a press kit at the time. And I said, like, what, what do you do with all these press kits? Like, how do you decide what to listen to? He says, 
open up all the press kits, save the CD, throw out all the paper. So for my band's first press kit, I put the bio inside the CD. Oh. And it got we got our demo got reviewed. It got four stars uh, from Robert Kuskow, who was like the greatest music journalist alive in, in uh, the Village Voice, and that like kickstarted our career. Oh wow! I learned that from working for Andrew. Oh, so I learned so a lot at those first jobs. You like well, you actually were in it like early on, like yeah. how to sell and how to market yourself yes. because those two things go hand in hand. And forever, a lot of people in business they don't realize that sales and marketing is actually. Kind they think, oh, I'm a tech person. I can just figure this stuff out. You're right. Like, no. Yeah, your job is sales. If you're in a business for yourself, no matter if I'm a DJ, right, a music curator, but I, like, I have to get my jobs. I have to know people. Um, you know, do all, you're in sales if you're in your own business, no matter what business you're in. No matter Basically what you're just in. Literally, that's all it is. Yeah. All day long, every day. All day long, every day. So how did you get to become Hesta Prince? So... Um, in the early 2000s, I was downloading a lot of music from Napster. Uh, why don't I get the suspicion <laughs> that we were at and like at the same time? We, I, we definitely were. I, I, I feel like it's like... I know how old you are. Yeah. Because what we talked about earlier, we're like exactly the same age. <laughs> so um, I was downloading a lot of music and a couple of my girlfriends from um, my like, you know, feminist life were in my crew. And, um, shaved heads also? I had a shaved head at the time. Shaved heads. There was definitely like a various like I'm shaving this body part, but I'm not shaving that body part right now. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> um, but but uh, we so they wanted to start like a girl Beastie Boys. They were older than me, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, let's not name it something over the top feminist like Hester Print from the Scarlet Letter. And they were like, that's your MC name. That was it. That was it. That was it. And and then you and you didn't have red hair at that point. Didn't have red hair. I didn't have any hair. Um, and I had like lines shaving into my head. It was really, uh, I was really like acting up. But um, we we signed this deal and we went on tour with the Roots and I met Plus Love with the Roots and we went. Because you just this... happened to be hanging out with the Roots. No, we <laughs> like signed a big record deal. We we're doing a lot of stuff. Like I'm like skipping ahead. And uh, we went to Philly for a long time and made a record there. And Amir Plus Love showed me his vinyl library and taught me how to mix vinyl. And I was like, oh this is cool and he was like clean up this mess and like you're good at this and, <laughs> yeah and then I learned in that band is like I really didn't like being in front being like you know the star having to command the audience I really needed to be behind and I liked the studio and I liked like the gear and the tech but I love music and I know everything about music and how do I use this and so that's like really how that happened oh wow yeah and so and so okay you decide that okay, I'm gonna be DJ has a friend yeah and that just kind of happened. happened. I decided. Like it, 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 you put it, you played it out in the universe. I, just, I think Amir like decided it for me. Oh, well, gotcha. So it's yeah. all plus love's fault. Gotcha. And I did, I got one big job at Bonnaroo in 2011. Uh, I don't even know how I got this job, honestly. But I know the guys who do Bonnaroo forever, and um, they were like, "Oh, do you want to DJ? We see you're like DJing a little bit." And I was like, "Yeah." And they were like, "Okay, but you got to really like do a good job. <laughs> like you can't screw this up. Yeah, you can't screw this up. Or we'll hook you up." And I was like, "Okay." And they gave me a DJ slot right before Q-Tip at the Silent Disco right after the headliner. The Silent Disco was like, no one was doing Silent Disco then. I didn't even realize, like, how big of a deal that was. I like, uh, I get nervous even just saying that. I can't even, like, oh, Silent Disco just irks my soul in so many different ways. Really? Why? I'm just like, oh, it's just, it feels so antithetical. Like, I mean, I, you know, I love music so much. But and I, and I get it. Like, there's a time and place for when you just like want to be in the music by yourself. And then, but like, I feel like when I'm with a bunch of people and we're all in our own worlds, it feels really weird. It's really, it is really weird. But you know, at that time, it was like no one had ever. It was so new. It wasn't like a thing that you would just do at like a bar mitzvah. 
which is what it is now. They were, like, they were the only ones who were doing it, and they created this huge tent, and everybody would be in it, but it would be quiet, and it was weird, and it was cool, and I don't know. This is, this is what they were doing. Um, and I did this, like, I did an all-90s hip-hop set, which was, like, the only set I could do at the time, to be honest with you. I know this music. I was like, this is the only thing I can do. And I know Britney. Yeah, exactly. And I did it on vinyl, and I got a picture in the New York Times. The New York Times was there, I guess. And the next day, I, like, woke up in Bonnaroo. And, I'm, and, and Q-Tip, who I've now opened for like a hundred times, like came over to, to me and was like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, hey, Q-Tip. I'm just like DJing a vinyl. Like, what was I doing? It was just like beginner's luck because I didn't know to be nervous. Exactly. And I knew what I was doing. I did. And I got a picture in the New York Times like this big. That was like a hip-hop artist or something, DJ Hester Prynne at Bonnaroo last night. And I was like doing this. And it was in it was hanging in my, in my room. And I woke up the next day and they all had the New York Times at breakfast at Bonnaroo. And they were like, oh, you did a good job. Thanks for, like... Not fucking up. Yeah, thanks for not fucking up, basically. And then I was like, maybe there's a career in this. That was before I worked for any brands, but yeah. And so, okay, so you have the awesome good luck of Bonnaroo. Yeah, I had great luck of Bonnaroo. Um, but I was prepared. You were prepared. But I still got Well, lucky. it's like, you know, I would say, like, a lot of younger people, that it comes down to luck, timing, and skill. Yeah. So, like... Yes, you can be lucky, like, right place, right time. But if you don't have the skills at that right particular yeah. moment that someone needs, like, you know, you were there once, oh, this girl was kind of cool, and people kind of into it. Yeah, yes, and, yes. And you had the skills of, like, yeah, I can do this on final. I'm mm-hmm. not just going to be someone regular. And then, like, okay, cool. Like, at this moment, you got to shock it. Yeah. So it doesn't, so, you know, it's not even like you make your own luck. It's just a, like... It was a lot of factors. coming to play. And also, like, even now, like, nobody would do that. Nobody would do... It wouldn't impress people to do 90s hip-hop on vinyl because now we have Serato. So everybody has the songs all loaded into their computer. So, like, kind of... Not like anybody could do that, but sort of. And you could go on Spotify and look up, like, 90s hip-hop playlists. And and, then hit play. And hit play. And you've kind of, like, done the whole thing. It's not... But at the time, you know, nine years ago, we didn't have that technology. And so it really required, like having two copies of every record so that you could, like, beat match it, knowing what the right records were, knowing the equipment, and, like, knowing how to do it. So I think what I did was an impressive feat. Now, when you saw me at Inkwell Beach, I do something totally different. It's, like, to impress the room, you can't just, like, play a bunch of songs. you got to play, like, you got to... They have to be bangers, back to back to back, and you have to have, like, remixes, and you have to, like, turn it up, and you have to, like, perform it, and, you know, you have to... you got to be in it. you got to be in it. you got to... And so you can't be so, like, into the tech where, like, you're down here. You have to you know, come up from behind the machine. Awesome. And so for you, what's been, like, so, so that ride hits you, and then now you're on this wave of being this DJ. Like, what's been, what's happened since nine years later now? Um, I'm like, I've had a lot of cocktails. Just, um, I'm like, <laughs> I love champagne. Happy we all. Um, so after that, I don't remember how this started, but, like, skipping ahead, I started to, I think I got a few jobs at, like, fashion brands, because at the time, fashion was starting to bring in, like, female DJ that was becoming like a little bit of a thing and it was before the technology and before a lot of like the models were my competition (laughs) (laughs) truthfully I mean because I'm not I'm I'm like don't let me fool you I'm not a model but you know it's like they wanted somebody like me coming in and doing the job and it required a a certain level of skill not that being a model is you you do have to be skillful to do that too and show up and look right and all of that Um, but I was doing that for a little bit and then I got a job through the guys from Bonnaroo through the Superfly guys they introduced me to Spotify and Spotify was doing an event where they had Ken, uh, Frank Ocean, uh, Janelle Monet, and Vampire Weekend in a room this big. And they had a DJ booth. And they needed someone to put it together. 
and they called the guys at Bonnaroo, and they were like, can you recommend a DJ who can, like, DJ with all of those acts? And they were like, oh, well, we just had this girl, like, crush it at Bonnaroo on vinyl. Why don't you hire her? And I was like, okay. So I DJed, like, I told this musical story from, you know, to get from Vampire Weekend to Janelle Monet, you have to go through Paul Simon, and then you have to go through, like, music of the African diaspora, and then you have to go, like, I did a story. And that was, like, people weren't really doing that. The only one who was doing that was Questlove, I guess. But I didn't know how else to do it. I was like, I gotta show up because, like, how else am I gonna impress these people? And they, their at the time, their brand um, message was music for every moment. And I accidentally figured out that there was this bridge between what I could do musically and how to tell a brand story. And it took me a couple of years to realize that that's what I was doing. But once Spotify started to hire me, like all the time, like 15 times a year, 20 times a year, 30 times a year, as they were coming up, they don't do that many events now. I just did their summer party and I'll do their Christmas party, but that's kind of it. They were doing a lot of like consumer facing events. They even had their own almost like music festival at South by Southwest one year. Um, they hired me to play with Kendrick Lamar when he was like really coming out. And I did like a tour of the California coast musically up and down in every genre. And he knew what I was doing. And I met him after and I said, oh, I'm the girl. And he's like, oh, you played all that California music. And I was like, right, well, you're the voice of California oh, yeah. now. So I started to do that and I started to get hired to do that. Um, you know, with, like, the female vocals and stuff like that, and now I just, it's good to talk about this, actually, because it reminds me that, like, I'm not just getting up there and playing a bunch of songs, you know? You uh, yeah, well, thanks, <laughs> but, like, you gotta be mindful, so I'm doing, like, the She Runs It Women of the Year Awards tomorrow, and I have, like, you know, a set that I was thinking of in my mind, but I'm kind of like, well, you know, maybe I should change that set and really make it a bit more about, like, you know, what, how do you tell the story She Runs It Woman of the Year through music, so I have a lot of ideas, and I'll probably work on that tonight. Oh. Um, but yeah, and I think I started to get hired a lot because I feel like I'm good and because I know how to work with brands and I am not, you know, in a lot of, for a lot of people in my world, it's like, I don't know about anymore, but certainly my generation, there's this idea of like selling out and working for brands and then, and then, and like, I like cash money. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I like cash money. And also like, I don't, I think the things that the examples I just gave you were really fucking creative and I got to do them in rooms full of people who were impressed and knew what I was doing and I got to be like in my hotel room sleeping as opposed to like being on the tour bus with 900 other bands which I did for 10 years oh, which was horrible I'm sure so it's been good awesome so you know you mentioned about the fact that like you know models are like fake DJs now I didn't say they were fake DJs because I'm sure some of them can actually DJ but what I'm saying is I think the technology oh, helps gave them access That's it gives good. a lot of people access so what's your feeling on like the sort of like Robo DJs now, where basically anybody can be a DJ because I can just turn on Spotify. I mean, look, I get paid by brands to curate playlists too. So it's like, even if you are, even if you don't know how to like do the technology part of DJing, which like, you know, you can't at a party like yours on the beach and can, like somebody can't put on a Spotify playlist and think it's going to be pop off if it's not going to. Exactly. Um, so I still get hired to do it when you meet a person, but also like, you know, you can't know how to do everything. And it's like, if you are a music enthusiast, perhaps you can make a good playlist. But like, I know how to do one thing really well. And that is to like create a mood in an invisible way in a room full of people when the stakes are high and they need people to feel a certain thing. And it's like, I've been in rooms with DJs who are mediocre or bad at corporate events. And it's a real problem. Yeah, no, listen, there was an event in Canada that I went to where this was a huge problem. And I was like, this music, like, I was like, who, what, huh? Yeah. And, like, 
I, I ended up talking to the event organizer afterwards, and I was like, "What the fuck with DJ?" And he's like, "No, we're getting a refund." Because like we were very specific in terms of what they wanted '90s hip hop, mm-hmm. like that was what it was supposed to be. Yeah, and it wasn't. It was not. You gotta be. It's like a hard job because it's like people want to be the star, and it's like if you want to work with brands and you want to work with music and art and with brands, like you can't be the star. Now I don't want to be the star. When I was in my twenties and I was in the band, I was like. I don't like this pressure of needing to be the star. Front and center. And yeah. All and I feel like, you know, truly, and I know this sounds like such corporate speak, but truly it's like the brand is the star at the party. So it's like, how are you going to be the backup singer to the brand? And that's what I do in a way that like, I think it's cool. It's almost like playing the underdog. It's a lot easier to impress people when you're not trying to be the star than you're, you're Michelle are and Kelly. I am Michelle and Kelly. And you know what? I love those two girls. It- I would, I would rather be, I would not Michelle. I'd rather be Kelly. <laughs> God bless Michelle, but like, come on. I would rather I know. be Kelly because Kelly is still DC3 and yeah. she's a goddess and a living legend, but she doesn't have to like be Beyonce. That's exactly. a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's a lot. She, and Beyonce doesn't speak now. She just like, how, who's time to speak if you're Beyonce? She literally just puts up things on Instagram without it in the caption, like, figure it out. Right. <laughs> she's like, you do something. Right. I'm just gonna take this picture. Right, yeah. I'm Beyonce. I've done enough for the day. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. I, do, I woke up Beyonce. Literally. Like, so Literally. it's a lot. It's like it's a lot. But yeah, I think it's 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 interesting because how are you seeing like brands respond to you? Because like it's funny because like you were at, we went at the CBS party and I was like, wait. I know, I'm like everywhere there. People are like, you again? It's actually funny because one of the women they're honoring tomorrow night is um, Leslie Berland, who's the CMO of Twitter. And I work for Twitter all the time, and, like, she probably doesn't know I'm going to be there, and, like, I'm going to be there, and she's going to be like, hey, and I'm like, hey, girl, that's my favorite thing to do, because then it's, like, people are like, oh, she's ubiquitous. You're like, damn, right. I'm like, that's right. Right. Um, But, like, do you think that brands now are understanding the importance of music in smarter ways? Because I think that I've seen this sort of shift. Like, when I first started advertising way long ago, even getting to get some cool original music, you're like, oh, we can't do that. We have to get, like, get some sounds. And mm-hmm. now it's like, no, let's hire a real DJ to actually curate this and yeah. tell a cool... And, and yeah, and take you on a journey. Because I think that's the thing about what why I love music so much is that it takes you on this awesome journey. Yes. Um, are brands starting to realize that? I, I, I think so. I mean, I'm working a lot. So yes, I would say yes. For me. For me. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like when you do events and... You know, I do things that aren't like event based where I'll curate the music and we'll put it in the space or whatever in whatever's happening. It's like you need to make sure you're like reinforcing them in every way. So it's like, I mean, you obviously you can speak to this, that's what you do. It's like whatever where whatever the point of this event is, if the point the point is we're introducing a new product. It's like and the food is wrong, or the food feels like, you know, low end or not new. It feels old. And, you know, that's going to tell the story of the product and the music is the same way. It's like if we're introducing something high-end and we have, like, an off-brand DJ who's playing for themselves and doing, like, a EDM mix at a cocktail party, which I've seen happen. I mean, I've been, I was at a party for uh, a candidate, who shall remain nameless, and it was about, um, like, sexual harassment on, on campuses and stuff like that. And they had a, a DJ and there was a lot of offensive language and the dj is like a dope person but i was just like this is not this is not the form, creating no. a safe space either and it's like i play i do a lot of sets you know everyone knows i'm like a big feminist and so i do all the women's events and i love that it's like i will do like all women's events so oh i know <laughs> i'm like girl i'm like hire me to a women's event and i do feel like you know when you do a event for women it's like i love hip-hop music listen like it gets dirty i'm down like count me in however 
like when you're doing an event that's about like celebrating women, maybe that's the day we don't need to hear like the B word every four times. Yeah, maybe just maybe just for that one moment. Yeah, like we can we can leave it elsewhere. Just I agree, and I have a lot of trouble playing. You know, ever since I've started to do, you know, I think really ever since the election and all of that, it's like I don't play as much. The offensive music doesn't feel ironic to me right now. It is when also Ob- offensive right now. I know. And it's like when Obama was president, I was like, whatever, we can play whatever the fuck we want. It's Everything's so good. Who cares? Right, we're good. We're safe. But like, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people feel very safe right now. So it's like, I'm not trying to create an environment, like a hostile environment in, at your brand's activation today. Well, and we appreciate that. So for you, like, so you're a working mom. Oh my God. How oh do you girl. even, like, how do you I can't. do that? I'm so tired. <laughs> I have, like, no advice. I'm like, I don't know. No, not even advice. What do you do? It's really hard. My daughter now is five. She's five. She gets on campus at 745 in the morning, and then she starts kindergarten next year, and she's going to have to be at school at 745 in the morning, which is really early. It's an earlier side of New York City. A lot of schools start at 815, which is, by the way, pretty early, too. I hadn't seen the other side of 930 since, like, 1987 (laughs) before I had a child. That's the truth. Actually, that's not true. In high school, I remember high school started at... 720. Mm-hmm. I remember waking up at 640 to like, you know, um, Aerosmith's crazy would wake me up on my like clock radio because that's what was popping. And you had a Walkman. Yeah, hell yeah. And it's like, I was like, it's 640, like now I'm going to school. Hell. I'm sort of back in that space. And it's hard because uh, I work at night. So my husband and I try to balance it, but he travels a lot for work and I travel and like, it's a mess. And the, the hack is one kid. That's it, because I'm like, we can't, I can never do this again. I only want one kid anyway, but like, I just feel like that's what it is because there's one kid maybe between two people, and like my in laws who live 20 minutes away, we can cover this. But other than that, not so much. (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy. It's definitely like really a mess. And so, you know, so you're an entrepreneur for yourself. Like, what's been like the biggest challenge for you to sort of like, you know, be boss bitch that is Hesta? Okay. Um, I think the hardest part of being like a, an entrepreneur, like a solopreneur, whatever, having your own business is for me, I'd be curious if we, how you've written as this as well. For me, it's like, you know, I'm into meditation, I do TM, whatever. I'm like always trying to like be calm. You know, I come from like an anxious uh, ethnic background, if you will. Um, <laughs> I'm Jewish, I'm from New York. Um, <laughs> and Long Island. And Long Island is that. You're a Long Island Jew. Girl. Right. I'm like, <laughs> she was tense. So I um I feel like what happens to me, what I notice, when I what I notice that's difficult is, I'll be up for a really big job, or I'll I, I book other talent for things now, which is really exciting and cool, and I'm sort of like looking to my clients, like what else do you need, what else can I do for you? So it's not just always about like, do you want to hire me to DJ? I don't need to DJ every party, and I can help you with dancers or a violin player or whatever. But when I'm pitching something big or I'm up for something big, I'm like on top of the world, and I book something big, and I feel great, and I feel important and successful, and safe and then I like don't get a job because you can't get every job and I'm like suddenly I feel terrible and relevant and free and I felt like I could see myself on that roller coaster for a very long time and it's like you know the 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 trend has been that I've I've worked and I've worked more every single year and everything is good so I try hard now to like notice that that is the biggest challenge for me and to try to look at things in more of like in like a longer term long range vision as opposed to like every long game. S- yeah long game thank you as opposed to every single job is like determines your worth it's like getting a job or not getting a job does not determine your worth doesn't determine how important you you are to the people in your life and it doesn't determine you know how good you are at your job 
that's just the way that cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, it's, I mean, similarly, I think, you know, when I first started out with DF, it was, oh, we got this awesome job, it's going to be amazing, and this is going to change everything, and now it's like, okay, awesome, that was fantastic, so what are the other eight things I have to get done? Yes, totally. And, like, and how am I scaling this? Because, like, mm-hmm. I think you get to the point, like, you know, you're, like, 10, ten years in, similar to yeah. where we are, it's like, okay, like, this universe now has to become an empire in yes. some way, shape, or form. But totally. And, and even if it's your own little fiefdom of an empire, mm-hmm. it's got to be not, it can't not just be you. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the core team. And, like, are there other ways that you can expand out and do different things? And I think, you know, with Inkwell, that was one of those things where it's like, I've never done an activation in Cam before. I haven't really done anything deliberately focused on diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, but this felt like the right thing to do yeah. because I was like, this is, nobody else is going to do this except for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know any other event company that would be this crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, we were rewarded for our crazy because like, we, yeah, had it was awesome. we had an incredible week. And, you know, I think that's the thing where when you get to the point when you're an entrepreneur that you start to feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing and mm-hmm. I'm, confident in, yes. I'm confident in what I'm doing. Like, I think I said to someone recently, it's like, listen, there is literally nobody else who can do what I do when it comes to building experiences. Like, yeah. I know how to, like, make the... I can put all the little weird jigsaw pieces together, like, and figure it out. Um, and I should just embrace that. And instead of, like, well, I can do all these other things. Well, yes, I can. But, like, that's the core thing I'm really good at. And then what comes out of that? Mm-hmm. Like, naturally, what comes out of that? Is that a permanent space? Is that other cities? Is it a huge tour? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and figure out the, and kind of and look at things that way as opposed to like oh we didn't get this like party that we wanted to do yes deal. totally uh-huh. well said so, totally because it, yeah it just starts to change and different, you know. totally <laughs> I feel like I it got into that same place where I'm just like okay I'm booking stuff it's great I get this job and this job and this job and this job maybe I didn't get that job whatever whatever, whatever. and it's like how can I build something larger how can I offer more to my clientele and like I did this um, for Pride I did two activations I DJed on the Morgan Stanley float which was awesome oh, and cool. amazing and then was I, that wild? It was, it was all, all the above. Um, and then I produced a lot. I produced all of the talent and the music for Hyatt, um, which was a big job. And so I had hired eight dancers who were awesome. And I, you know, pre-recorded the whole set and like designed all of that. And I worked with teams, and it was really great. And when I was working on that, you know, they uh, would I say they took a chance on me? Well, they yeah, they did take a chance on me because I'm not like the person who always is booking the talent for the floats at the Pride Parade. But I was like, I can do this. And they were like, okay, well, we have like, a, you know, a bit of someone who can do it for like less money kind of thing, whatever. That always happens. And I was like, okay, well, then you should go with them if that's where you're at. Because if you're hiring me, I'm going to deliver something dope. And that's what you were hiring me for is that if you're hiring me for my taste and I'll bring you something that's authentic and relevant and modern and really amazing. And that's what I did. And they hired me for that. And I felt like it was so strange. I didn't even know where that was coming from. I was so used to just chasing the money and being like, oh, I can do it for less too. But I was just like, no, I'm telling you. This I'm is sure. what it should cost. And I'm going to bring you something that no one else is going to bring you. That's not just some like talent booker type stuff. And they they were so happy. And their, their assets, they have like the video that they have. I mean, it was like exceptional. People were talking about what was going on in that project. And that made me feel really proud of myself and like really good. And like, you know what? Maybe I do know what I'm doing. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing that we we don't, especially as female entrepreneurs, that we oftentimes, again, we're chasing, 
we're chasing our tail and chasing the money mm-hmm. that we don't take a moment to step back and be like, well, actually, no, I'm really fucking good at what yeah, I really do. Yeah, I'm really good at what I do. Yeah, like, totally. And like, that is worth a freaking premium. Word up. <laughs> totally. And it's like, I feel like as a DJ musically, you know, for a long time, I felt like I was asking for more money or whatever. And like that, I was balancing that with this with an imposter syndrome, you know, of course we all have that. And like, do I really know what I'm doing? Am I really good? If I book this and they pay me this money, am I going to make them have a great party? Oh my God. What if I don't? What if nobody dances? What if nobody likes what I play? And like, I've started to show up at events in the last, really it only happened to me in the last year where I've been like, I know this is going to be dope. Why? Because I have a history of these hundred other things I did and they were all awesome. And they always popped off. And even if I showed up unprepared, which I would never do, but even if I showed up unprepared, I probably have the skill set just from having done this so many times that they know if they hire me, I'm going to make it great. And and it's a very Muhammad Ali thing of like, I must be the greatest. Not that I'm the greatest, but like, if these people keep hiring me, I must be good. Exactly. Good enough. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think that's what we have to like shout from the rooftops a lot more. And it's because, no, I'm really freaking Mm-hmm. And I deserve the money. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you saw that there's a uh, tweet of Betty Rapone on the float at the uh, at the parade last week where she basically has a bottle of booze, her leg up in the air on the float, and she goes, I deserve this. Damn. And, and I was just like, and I was like, I want that as my speech. Yeah, like literally, may we all be that confident. I'm like, she, although she won like a gold, you know, she won the World okay. Cup. But, but probably a lot of people who won the World Cup were like, oh, I just had a good day. Right, and, 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 but I think it's really important for us to sort of be unapologetic about our awesomeness. And it makes me nervous to even talk about this. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. I think that's it, because like, if we were guys, we'd be all about that. Oh, fuck yes. That, so, You're so right. You know, so. you know what? I ran into um, Audrey Gelman is the founder of The Wing, and I do some work for them, and I'm always there. And I ran into her like last year this time, because I had just seen her at the Public Theater Gala, which I did for a few years. And she said, you, she said to me, like, you're blowing up. Like, I see you everywhere. Because I had seen her at a media link party. She was there at this. And I was, like, doing all these great events. And I was like, oh, stop. Like, thanks. Like, oh, I hate talking about myself. And she goes, don't do that. And I was like, oh, she's, like, a few years younger than me. And she's this, like, big founder of this big women's club. And, like, she's she is encouraging me to, like, have the confidence of, like, a dude. And that's awesome. And I, rem- I was like, that, like, stuck with me. That that was, like, her instinct. She was like, don't do that. And no, I was like, you're right. Don't, uh, yeah, we maybe all maybe all women have the confidence of a mediocre white man. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Because again, he'd be like, "I did a hundred freaking parties. I want ten million dollars." Uh, and you know what? Someone would pay him that. Exactly. Some other bro would pay him that. Yeah, because they'd be like, "Bro, yeah, we pay the like, He charges ten million dollars. Like, what we can do? We can do it. He's a shit. Right? I know. It's how fire festival happened. <laughs> right. Like I know. Um, Isn't there just a happy me- a happy medium in between that and feeling like you know you don't deserve? Well, I think it's. I think what ends up happening is you've got to be confident in your abilities to do, to stretch yourself further mm-hmm. than you have mm-hmm. in the past, than you have before, but not in a way that doesn't make you feel safe. Right. So I think there is a balance there. Like I don't think you want. Like I'm not. Like I just did this message thing in Canada. I'm not gonna turn around and like start flying airplanes. Right. Because like, I can do that. I can. I can do that. I'm like. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, we, I'm totally awesome, but like flying an airplane to do an event, yeah, probably not my thing. Right, right. Um, so, but I, I, but I think if we try 
to sort of look at ourselves as, you know, as what people actually see us for. Because, like, so many people were like, oh, my God, this is a fucking gym. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of like, this is what I do. Yeah, yeah, And then, but once you hear that enough, you're yeah. like, why am I like, this is what I do? Like, no, actually, this, this is what I do because it's awesome. Yeah, it's like if everyone else is blowing on my spot, like, what am I going to tell them not? I don't know. Like, let me tap that down. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no. Don't do that. Like, I'm, like this, is, this is my jam. I'm yeah. really good. And I want to make it awesome. Totally. Uh, so, question for you. Okay. Um, so, what's next for you? Um, Not in the five minutes, but like. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a bunch of events this summer, which is cool. I'm still the DJ in residence at the Whitney. I'm there August 1st. Coming to come see you. And I am starting to work with other talent. Like I said, I'm starting to book some other people. Like I'm bringing some female musicians around with me, a saxophone player, a violin player. I've been working with these dancers. But I have a big project that I'm actually working on right now that I just sent the like final pitch in for on Monday that I can't talk about and, I, and I'm like so I feel like hopefully I'll have some like really exciting news awesome yeah and I'm really like I really feel like having this conversation you know the universe really does speak to you and all of this and uh, I'm inspired by this conversation we're having because I hear what you're saying and I and I don't want to like downplay like this is something I've been this is something I'm ready for and I'm like this is, next step. this is the next step so like let's do this so I can't really report on that yet all right but we'll see we'll see um <laughs> and so my final question which is become a new thing that I've been doing and it's been fun it's where do you go to get away so where do you right. grab, a, grab a glass of co- what, where do you get a cocktail I'm like cow guns like where is it where, what's the spa mm-hmm. where is it pizza and, and one you know, yeah. what, like what's your spot where like Julie just goes not has to um, so I, I don't think it's a spot like a place um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a new age answer and oh like boy. a pop culture answer oh, the new age answer is I do TM twice a day every day I meditate 40 minutes a day wow. which is awesome I've been meditating for about 8 years mm. maybe 7 but I meditated like 10 minutes a day almost every day and I got Headspace which is an amazing app that everyone should get it has 33 meditations I've like gifted it to so many people I think it's the greatest thing. Um, and I was doing those, and then I started to do 15 minutes a day, and then I started to do 15 minutes every day, and then I started to explore other kinds of meditation. And one day, I really wanted to do TM. I was, like, working up to that. And I went and I learned it you know, almost a year ago. And now I do it 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes around 3 o'clock, and it is where I go to, like, be. And I can't believe it because I never thought I would be that person I'm not like what exercise and I have runners like not at all I like do my exercise I'm like struggling like looking at every you know I'm looking at my watch I'm like oh it's only been five minutes but I but with meditation I really it, it's become it's like rewired my brain where I need it and I that's where I go that's like I really feel like myself the second answer to that question is I listen to um the Howard Stern show and I listen to Amanda Seals podcast oh awesome small doses which is like my favorite I love her I've loved her for years um which was Amanda Diva, but uh, I listen to those two podcasts, and I walk around the city and do all my stuff, and I and listen to Howard. Off. Yeah, I laugh my ass off, and I've been listening to Howard for years, and I listen to Howard in like my headphones, and I feel like that's like what I do. That's like I know so much because I hear so many people that I like being interviewed, and I learn a lot about that, and then I learn a lot, obviously, a lot from Amanda, and I feel like those are like my pop culture things that I do that are me. I don't have a spot that I can go to because I travel so much and I have a kid and it's like I have to share the space with my husband and my child and like there's nowhere for me to go. I wish there was, but there's not anymore. You know? Uh-huh. I used to go to Soho House all the time and like have drinks on the roof. That's not happening anymore. <laughs> I get to talk about that. No. But I like to go to hotels. I mean, I love a hotel room. Like I 
love to check into a hotel room and, like, be by myself in a hotel room with, like, the clean sheets and, like, all my... And then I put away all my things. And it's clean. I make it's a bed. Clean. And you're like, it's just this home. Like, oh, it's the best. Yeah. Best. I, I, I do a little bit staycation. I'm just like, even for, like, six hours. Really? Like, Can we call that a staycation? Six hours? Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, again, who, broke, who made these rules? Who made these staycation <laughs> rules? Like, just the... Um, only because I did that recently because I ended up having to get like a free room and I was, and you could have it for the rest of the night. I'm like, okay, and it would be like six hours. I'm like, yeah. Wait, this isn't my bed. <sighs> yeah, it's like a vacation. It's, it's a vacation. vacation. It's, it's totally a vacation. So, Julie, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Thank show. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Um, I think that we're gonna have to get some links to some of your awesome music cool. and uh, to Vandal so people in New York can see and hear you perform. She is amazing. Um, and it was such a great conversation. Thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you. This is awesome. Yay. Yay. Awesome. And that's our show. <laughs>